answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Glad you are joining us today as we talk about financial matters, both myself and my co-host here. We are both financial advisors, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant. Uh, we meet with people during the week, like just like yourself, and come here on the weekends to be your financial advisors on the air. So whether you've got people you're working with now or not, we want you to consider us an other advisor for you. Second opinion, third opinion. And I got to tell you, second opinion, before you buy any financial product that you can't get out of, get a second opinion. Please, please, please. If it has a surrender charge on it or if it doesn't price on a daily basis or if someone tells you the price never fluctuates, um, get a second opinion. Yes, for sure. Yeah. So Because the price of everything fluctuates every day. It's whether you know it fluctuates or not. You mean someone to try to – before – don't even buy don't buy some investment to begin with. If you're going to hire a financial advisor, hire a certified financial planner, hire someone on a fee basis, not yeah, someone else. Someone don't buy planner. investments. Yeah. Yeah. So you That's good. you don't need matter of fact, you don't even need a second opinion cuz we'll give you your opinion right now. Don't buy investments. <laughs> don't buy investments. Anyway, if you'd like to join the program, if you got a question for us, I'd love to take your call, answer your question. Our number to join us is one eight three three worth? I'm sorry, it's eight three three ninety nine worth. Toll free eight three three ninety nine worth. Numerically, it's eight three three triple nine six seven eight four. And we will um, love to take your call, and get you on the question on, on the program here. Bef- yep. Before we do that, I read this article. Uh, in the Wall Street Journal a couple weeks back. And it was one of those that's like, are we really at this stage in the credit cycle? And the title was, as more millennials rent, more startups want to lend to them, the renters. For what reason? To help them make their rent payments. It's an unsecured loan. What's the difference between that and... Just going and borrowing money from the place down on the corner, the, the in the strip mall. The uh, it's an unsecured loan. It's no different than a credit card loan, or except they are structuring it different and marketing it differently. They're lending on a signature, not on an asset. Yes, which tells well, us we might be pretty deep into the credit market. That's your point. So here's what's happening. <laughs> so th- these. Uh, most of the apartments that are being built these days are higher-end apartments. And the reason for that, it's so much work. Higher-end apartments in the whole U.S. or in major metropolitan areas? Major metropolitan areas. I don't know what's happening in the rest of the... Major metropolitan areas. It's so, it costs so much money to buy the dirt, to do everything else. You can't... Yeah, no one's going to make any money. fees, the all whatever. That, all all the garbage that goes into it. All the compliance stuff you need. Almost all of them are luxury apartments, higher-end apartments. Well, I don't think it's fair for you to call them garbage fees. If the people getting the, the fees, the municipalities that are receiving the money don't refer to them as garbage fees, only the people paying them. What? Uh, whose side are you on here? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so what's happening is these property managers are teaming up with some of these companies. One's called Uplift. Uh, another one's Damasu. Another one's Till. What they do is they offer loans to recent college grads who are moving to a new city and others who want to build credit and could use assistance making rent payments. Rates tend to be pretty high, but they're they're 
uh, the payday loan, you know what a payday loan looks like. Yeah. We drive by them, and it's like probably not the place you want to hang out. It looks sketchy. The whole thing feels sketchy about it, right? Yeah, that's big, what I was saying. Though, you, what's the difference between borrowing well, it down at the it. strip center at the corner? Well, because, payday loans. well, that's the difference. Well, they're lending to, that, to what they call. I mean, you could buy a taco at some janky taco stand. might be pretty tasty. Or you go to a high-end restaurant. There's still a taco. But one, you might have a different experience. So these are kind of... They're, but, they're, but the borrowers are what they refer to as Henry's. They're new college grads, right? And Henry is a financial term for high earner, not rich yet. Yes. It used to be in the dinks, you know, in, in the 80s, it was double income, no kids. Them yuppies, I didn't know what that stand for. Now they're Henry's. <laughs> so we're seeing... Oh, yuppie was upwardly mobile something. We're seeing, I mean, here's a new college grad bar, 10 grand, so he can get into an apartment on Manhattan's Upper West Side. New, brand new college grad, the first studio apartment. So it's... Here's uh, the Uplift offers loans up to $16,000. They don't have any interest for six months, and then the interest rate is between 15 and 17%. Holy smokes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 15 to... to 17%. Holy smokes. So... In this article, and here's some young, I guess she calls herself a model, an attractive-looking young woman... And, and I'm thinking, I hope you look back on this article one day of embarrassment because this isn't the kind of thing you should be proud of. Um, yeah, but but from their standpoint, I'm not defending it. They're used to borrowing money to uh, consume uh, things today like education. I guess. They come out of school with, uh, with $82,000 in debt. Might as well go to mm -hmm. uh, have uplift, loan you some more money so you can get an apartment. Look. Look good for a period so the, of time. So the question is, is how in the credit cycle, this would, this paper, this paper is being, someone's holding this paper, someone's lending the money. This would be low. Uh, I, mean, I guess they're college grads. They got a higher degree of credit worthiness than a high school dropout, let's say. Yeah. But, but still. Anyway, it's it would kind be, of troubling. It would be considered uh, probably junk. Not, close not to junk. helpful for building one's um, financial independence. I, yeah. anyway. So. Let's uh, go to some calls here. One eight three three ninety nine worth is the number to join the program. Let's go to Margaret in Northern California. Margaret, you're with All Worth Money Matters. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Can Hi, you hear me okay? Yes, loud and clear. Thank you. Oh, perfect. So my main question today is: my husband. Um, we live in Sacramento. My husband's retiring in a couple months from SUD, and he's been there for about forty years. So. Actually, I know you guys. And you're afraid what your life going to look like when your husband's <laughs> home every day. How'd you know? <laughs> so <laughs> so um, I'm going back to work, actually. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Brilliant. So, Brilliant. I, I think it is. I do. So, well, we also have kids in law school and in oh. um, undergrad, and they're at a private Jesuit college. And oh. so we do still have debt from parental student loans, and now we're gonna, we still have debt from my daughter still in undergrad. So, um, but he's determined to retire, so that's okay. But um, one of my main questions is he's retiring at 61, so it's early. And we were trying to figure out if we should go in and, at this age, invest in long-term care, or should we pay someone to manage our retirement? And then, because one of the, the option was do the retirement ourselves and then use that the fee that we would normally pay somebody to pay for long-term care. Got the scary it. Thing. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I understand what your thinking is. Do you... Yeah. But that you're, the, the assumption there is that that whoever you paid, that would just be a cost, and the planning and investments would not make up whatever you're paying them. And obviously, we're biased, right? So we're financial advisors. And it's interesting. Both Morningstar, they're the big research firm, and Vanguard, the big investment firm, they both did studies to try to show how much value can an advisor add. And Vanguard's study said that an advisor can add up to 3% a year in, in, in incremental returns. doesn't mean that their investment performance are going to but, but they add value in two ways. One is the right kind of planning. Like, what money do okay. we use to pay off the, the student loans? How do we do we have a mortgage? How do we deal with that? How do when, what's the best structure of taking our income? It's the planning part, and then the second part right. is is the proper kind of asset allocation, and it's helping people during the downtime so they don't make 
the wrong kind of and the up kinds make investment uh-huh. choices that can end up hurting them. So, Margaret, you have a, a choice of taking a joint and survivor pension. What type of pension are you looking at receiving from this municipality? Okay, so my husband's from PERS, and he has a 401k, and he has IRAs. So most of the retirement is coming from PERS because he's been with SMUD. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I don't know if that answers your well, question. Well, there's, a, there's about – so in – in a number of pensions, not just PERS, you have a uh-huh. menu of choices that you can actually receive. So he can take 100% of his pension uh-huh. and zero goes to you at his death. He could take 90% of his pension and 50% of that 90% goes to you at his death. You can take 80 or 75% and then 100% of that will go to you at his death. So the first decision you need to make. Which is a huge financial decision. It, one of the largest ones. Uh, and then there's other things called pop-up provisions, which is if you predecease them, does it go back up or not go back up? So that's a big, big decision. How much is the okay. monthly pension on just his life only going to be? Just him alone. Oh, see, oh, shoot. I don't know about him alone because he basically told me that if we choose the option where we take out enough so that our kids, the survivors, will always have money, yeah. um, that we would be, per month, we're going to be 700 less than he brings home now. And right now, you know, he brings home, what do we live off of, just the net uh-huh. is like 3800 a okay. month or something. Um, like and, uh, or more. Okay, so that may or may not be the option. How much money do you have in 401ks and IRAs and those sort of things? Okay, so in the IRAs, we have over, my IRAs pretty low right now, but his, he's got over 100000 His 401k is, God, he just told me last night, he's got like a million. Okay, um, your, your husband, is he an engineer? No, he's, he, he's not an engineer. No, he's an IT guy. Okay. Have you looked into... Um, Asset-based long-term care? Well, that was the question. We're really we're not sure how to look. And, you know, we've talked to a couple different financial advisors, and we haven't been happy with anything they've told us. Okay. Um, and do you have money outside of these IRAs? Uh, do you have money in the um, bank or in a brokerage account? Uh, no, not really. Uh-uh. Okay. Small savings, and then, you know, we still owe on our house. We own our house, but we still owe on it. How much do you owe on the home? 200 And do you, 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 you joked earlier that you were going back to work. Do you work outside of the home? Oh, yeah, 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 I have to. When, okay, <laughs> but he won't. <laughs> and when, right. when do you get to retire? You know, with the kids in college and law school, I just figured I'd work till. I'm like 70 or 75. So here's the, I mean, I look at, so here's the decisions that you need to be making this year, right? The one, and the biggest one is, is what is the best pension option to take? Do we okay. take a single life? And and if not, and how's that structured? And, and, and it's in it conjunction make, wait, with everything else. And Scott, does it make sense to actually have money go to these kids when you're dead out of your pension? What's the point? The kid's in law school, right? Well, there's a, right, so that. The other way is, what's the best way to structure those things, however that is? Uh, The third is, what makes the most sense with the 401k today, and do we design that for any sort of income? And then fourth is that long-term care, we don't need, you don't need insurance to pay for the whole thing. Like if your car gets crashed and you you want to replace the car, for this, it's really about that, what's the income shortfall? Because your costs go up for long-term care, but you already have some income. So what's the best way to make up for that shortfall? Can you self-fund that? Do you use an asset-based type thing? So, Margaret, you said you met with a couple other advise. You met with a couple of advisors. Tell right. us about your experience there. And you said that they they didn't do it for you. Is it because they didn't give you the answer you wanted, or they were trying to sell you some garbage, or what? what? Well, they didn't even ask us questions. They basically asked all about the income and the savings and all that. And they said, "Okay, we're going to do these graphs. We're going to tell you what to do." And it's like, "No, you haven't asked us anything about what we want to do." And then another person listened to my husband tell all about things, and she said, well, sounds like you got it all together, so just do it yourself. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> and then we talked to another guy, and he was like, I want you to take everything all at once. Take all your – my husband's only 61. He goes, take all your Social Security now. Take everything. And I'm like, no, no, we're not – no. I'm not going to let that happen. 
So this is where we are. So that, and I was just listening to your talk show as I was driving up to my parents' house, and so I thought, you know what, I'm going to give them a call. Um, so well, we're obviously biased on our so, advice. So there's, like there's a some... couple things that come into play here, right? One is that the biggest decision you're going to make financial in a long, long time, maybe your whole life, is how to take that. That's correct. That that pension. Oh. And it's okay. almost like buying a big life insurance policy. Yeah. Any reduction you take, not just it, don't buy a life insurance policy because you're best off taking a reduction in that pension. But, but, but if you're receiving, if your husband's receiving a smaller pension to provide benefit to you at his death, it is a form of life insurance. It's just by its very nature. So that's a big decision that you need to go through. You need to do that in conjunction of how long you believe you're going to work and your income that you're making. And that will be a driver as to when you take Social Security or not take Social Security. Okay. Right? okay. Um, the right. long-term care insurance thing is a completely different um, subject, right? So because mm -hmm. he's in PERS, he can purchase long-term care through, I think it's still available through PERS. No, I think. told us it was. Oh, okay. That's well, why we try. Okay. That, that's why we're looking at. Okay. Well, I think some of these asset-based, some of these newer asset-based, I hate life insurance, but they're, they're, life, they're technically life insurance policies with a um, uh, long-term so care attached to them. Attached to them. And they can't, may or may not make sense. But you do have a need for some long-term care uh, insurance. You absolutely have a need for oh. it. Um, okay. And how you're going to fund that is completely different uh, than okay. whether you have a need. But you, you do have a need. Um, okay. The, the reason I like the asset-based ones, and we don't sell them, by the way, is because oh, they, have a, uh, they have a they, they – No, we work with some people that do. I mean, yeah, correct. We, we refer people out. But because they could cover both of you in a single contract, which is what we like mm -hmm. about them. But it requires a commitment on your side versus a regular long-term care policy. Um, oh. you need, so you, to the whole list of things, but don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't combine where you at the beginning said, well, if I buy the long-term care, then I won't hire the advisor. Um, right. well, she hasn't had a good advisor so far. You haven't actually had someone, you haven't had someone that <laughs> asked the questions. Um, and, and the, the biggest thing that I would focus on right now is the social security and when and how to take the pension. Um, okay. And then a realistic date for you to retire. So I do some income projections. So, and continuing on, let's head to Colorado and speak with Linda. Linda, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi, Scotty Pat. Listen, I have an interesting question for oh, good. you on return on investment. Perfect. All right. So I have a hundred thousand dollars. And I have a mortgage at 3.25% that I am in the early years of. And if I take uh, that, if I take $90,000 of that and mm -hmm. pay down the principal on the mortgage, I figured out my interest rate that I am earning is not uh, 3%, but 6%. Is, could that be correct? Okay, so let's, let's stop for a second here, uh, Linda. This $100,000 that you have saved, how is it invested? Is it inside an IRA, outside of an IRA? What's it invested in? Okay, I was self-employed the most most of my life, so it's just in a stock account. So it's not inside of an IRA. No. And it's and it's in stocks. It has stocks and mutual funds in it, or bonds. What's it have in it? Individual stocks. Okay. I have about seven individual stocks. And how long have you owned the individual stocks? What we're trying to do, you know, what your cost basis is in these stocks? No. How much you paid for them? No, I don't know that. Okay, so, so that's a driver in the decision. So I don't so, know where you got up with the 6%. So the, the way the mortgage, whether you're early in a mortgage or many years down the mortgage, is kind of irrelevant because the interest is a simple interest calculation. And simple interest is all that means is we take whatever the outstanding balance is, multiply it by the interest rate. That tells us how much interest we owe. So we know the cost of money on your mortgage is 3.25%. Mm -hmm. We know that. Guaranteed. So we, 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 and and I, how you got to the 6%, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, but, we, but the answer is it's 3.25% is the cost of money. So then the question is, does it make sense 
to take this $100,000 and pay down the mortgage. Well, if the $100,000 was sitting in a bank account, a bank CD or money market, earning less than 3.25%, the answer is absolutely, Probably. right? Mm-hmm. Probably. Probably. Mm-hmm. But, but yours is in stock, mm-hmm. and if we were to liquidate that stock you'd have a capital gains hit on it. So how much do you owe on the mortgage completely? The whole mortgage, how much do you owe? Right now, it's 348000 Okay, and are you employed? Um, I'm, I'm semi-retired. Okay, and do you have monthly income coming in? Yes, I have a $3,000 pension, which I live off okay. nicely. I do have a thousand dollars a month in rental income. Okay. And then I have uh, a little liquid. I have a hundred thousand liquid and hundred thousand in a CD, <laughs> and another hundred thousand in stocks. Okay. I'm looking to do something. Got it. And are, how old are you? Sixty-five. Sixty-five. And uh, you're receiving Social Security. Uh, it's a it's a it's a veteran's pension. Got it. Um, <laughs> how, uh, have you thought how? What's the value of the home? It's around six hundred thousand. And are you going to move at any point in the future? Yes, at some point I am going to move. It's it's big and the upkeep is getting yeah. it's, more than I can do. Quite frankly, it's too much home for your income. That mortgage is too high for your income. So if you're planning on moving, I would encourage it sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. Scott? Yeah, I would too. Mm -hmm. This it's it's too You're looking at what in Colorado home prices are up across the board, but it'd be lateral move. Lateral move, assuming that you're moving uh within the same geography. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So So let's say you you let's say you swap that six hundred thousand for a $400,000 $400,000 house and now instead of a mortgage balance of 348 it's 148 and then I would take now I would say let's take out of your 300,000 savings let's take the money out and just have the house paid for in cash so and I would no mortgage payment and I pay with either the CD or the liquid um, and probably leave the stocks do you have children that you're leaving uh, your estate to I'd like to leave okay. them something okay okay so I agree with Scott uh, but I wouldn't pay it down now. I would actually, if you pay it down, your mortgage payment's probably still the same. And now, yeah, it's it. it, it the, the bigger issue is that this house is more house than you can really afford. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a big mortgage to have relative to your pension. A big, mm-hmm. big mortgage mm-hmm. relative to your your the four thousand dollars a month you have coming in. Okay. How old is the home you're in? Ninety years. Ninety years oh, old. Oh my! Oh, there we go. Even I, I was afraid you were going to say that. Even more reason, uh, assuming that it has it has it gone through a complete rehab recently. Uh, I, I do something every year, okay. and it's in good shape. Yeah, it's still ninety years old. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> sucking up cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you, that house is it's it's too much house for you. You, you would okay. enjoy a much nicer lifestyle if you bought a newer, smaller, more efficient home. You're living for this. I, my guess is most of your of the money that's coming it's in going is, into the is house. going into the house. Yes, yes, right? yes, yes. It's like having a bad spouse. Oh come on! <laughs> <laughs> All right, All right, Linda. Appreciate the call. Yeah, I wish you well. Bad spouse. If you want to be part of the program, one triple eight two Hanson is the number. So Scott, can I? Let me stop for right there. That is what what we what the listeners just heard was financial planning. She called and had a question about paying off the mortgages, about whether she paid yeah. down the mortgage a hundred thousand dollars, and we told her that you know, she that's should a probably great point, move. So often people ask, "What do you think of this investment?" Well, she could have called and said, "I have a hundred thousand liquid. What do you think I should be investing in?" Right? We now? would have probably asked her the same question. Of course, we would have. Because but when we went through this, we wanted to know where the income was coming from. Right? We wanted to know the sources of the income. We didn't know about her and her family. We wanted to know about who she owed money to. And then the big kicker was, how old's the house? Yeah, right. Right? 
Oh, that was, I had lunch with a friend. He says, I, I'm going to start buying real estate. I said, well, that's your call. He goes, what's the first house you're looking at? He goes, oh, it's 48 years old. I said, well, <laughs> that's not probably a great idea, right? 48-year-old house and a 12-year-old house or 15-year-old house yeah. is a big difference. Oh, yeah. But my point being is a good financial advisor, you can ask, this is self self-serving by saying that we're good financial, a good financial advisor will ask lots of questions before they answer it. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Well, we're getting close um, to needing a break here, so we will wait until the second half to take some more calls. Uh, but just quick reminder on our website, allworthfinancial.com. If maybe you have not been to our website since we upgraded our name from Handsome McLean to Allworth, but uh, there's got some great educational tools, podcasts, tutorials, guides, webinars, all kinds of great things. They call them webinars, huh? Videos. Not webinars. Webinars you have to dial into. Videos I don't you know. can watch at any point in time. But in all kinds of different things, if you're trying to help figure out your own retirement plan. It is a plethora plan. of financial information. There we go. So uh, allworthfinancial.com. encourage you to go there. And again, if you want to join the program, one 99 worth We're going to take a quick break, and we'll continue on with Allworth Money Matters. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Do you have a financial question that needs answering? Call us at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McClain. Glad you're sticking around. Again, if you want to be part of the program, 833-99-WORTH. Worth is the number to be part of the program. I had seen a statistic. When did the, when did the Roth 401k become available? So Roth IRA is named after Senator Roth. Mm-hmm. He's probably it was a long time ago, and he was a, yeah. How long ago? It's quite like 15, senior at the time. Probably fifteen years ago. Longer than that. No, yeah. yeah. Roth IRAs were. Oh, I remember. Roth IRAs were twenty years ago, yeah. maybe more. So mm-hmm. when did the 401k add the Roth? At least in ten years. And most employers now have a 401k option. And again, the difference between a Roth and a traditional, whether it's IRA or 401k, a traditional retirement plan, when you deposit money, you receive a tax deduction. You're able to deduct that amount from your other income, so it lowers your taxes. You get a current tax break, gross tax deferred. It's taxable when you pull the money out. Kind of the concept behind that as well, the argument would go. You're in a higher income tax bracket when you're working, so take the tax deduction when you're in high income tax bracket, and odds are when you retire, you'll be in a lower tax bracket. So, Which sometimes it's true, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes and, you're in a higher tax bracket. And it depends on the state in which you live. And the Roth, the way the Roth works, Roth, you don't get any deduction up front. The plans still grow tax deferred, and when it comes out, it is uh, tax-free at that time. Well... The majority of can we for a second though, but remember, the idea behind giving tax benefits for uh, retirement plans, period, is a form of social engineering to encourage a certain type of behavior. Hence, Much yes, like getting the deduction on, like you used to get a deduction on the home mortgage. Which yes, <laughs> most people don't anymore. But ninety over ninety percent of Americans are standard deduction now after the new tax law, yeah. but. Considering the majority of Americans are in a low-income tax bracket, like the first bracket. So most people well, – so let's talk realistically. Do people – are you in the lowest tax bracket? Are you putting money into your 401K? Well, yeah. I mean, you could have an annual income of $110,000, $115,000 and still be in the lowest tax bracket. Or a single individual of what seventy or eighty thousand okay. dollars and still be all right when you add in the new standard deductions, uh, yep, which are higher amounts. But we look right now, fewer than fifteen percent of workers who have access to the Roth are actually putting money into them. Eighty-five percent are still using the traditional plan. I say that's a mistake. They don't understand it. Lack of education as to how it works. Clearly, they don't understand it. Yeah, I, I don't. 
if I had to start with one form of education for someone in their 401k, it would probably be the investments. And I'd worry less whether they were using deductible or not. Uh, as an employer, new hires, would you have them be uh, pre-tax? Or I would say the default should be the Roth, not the pre-tax. Yes. Because okay. the more majority of Americans is going to benefit. It's going to it's going Roth to Roth should be the default. And if someone's in a high tax bracket and they choose to take a current deduction, they should go. You're looking at me like I'm from Mars. I don't I'm understand. just thinking, what, what if the population actually cares? That the average worker, the people listening to this radio show probably care. All right, because well, they have an yes. interest. They have an interest in our this. listeners. So the you question care. is, you said default, and I'm thinking, well, do you default or do you educate? I'm saying both. Here's all right. As a listener, you hopefully you're going through the analysis to determine for yourself if you should take use a Roth option or a, a traditional option if you are still working and contributing to your 401k. You probably have loved ones in your life. I'm hoping. Children, Maybe. grandchildren. Any loved siblings. ones for most of you. <laughs> okay. Uh, this might be worth a conversation with them. A Roth. Yes. If your argument was that our, that our listeners probably yeah, know the Yeah, you out difference. there, you are so smart, you don't. Uh, this is a wasted advice. Is kind of what you made it made me feel like. <laughs> well, <laughs> anyway, all right. that was the intent. <laughs> Make me feel like I'm of little value. But most certainly the wrong. Reminds me of my childhood. Unless you plan on uh, retiring to a lower okay. income tax state. That is correct. But it still could. It's something I need people to. I, I just saw a lot of that. Saw that fifteen percent, only fifteen percent, and probably. 50 to 70 percent should be using a Roth option. So we thought it'd be a good idea today on All Worth Money Matters to have a 401k expert join us, Jairo Gomez. Jairo, welcome to the program. Good morning, guys. Hey, and Jairo, you, to to actually prove to the rest of the listeners that you're an expert, there are a bunch of initials after your name. Um, tell us what they are and what they stand for. Sure. I'm an AIF, which is an accredited investment fiduciary, an AIFA, which is an accredited investment fiduciary analyst, an ARPC, which is an accredited retirement plan consultant, and a CKP, which is a certified 401k professional. There we go. All right. So, uh, Hyros, <laughs> I always curious wow. what those were. Um, Hyros, uh, the director of our retirement plan services here at Allworth, and um, you lead that team there. And you've been in the retirement plan space for twenty years. A long time. Very and you've been time. leading Allworth's retirement plan division for nine years nine now. Nine years. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Hyros. And we've got uh, many employee employers. Um, that we work with that uh, minister their 401k. So in the 401k space right now, some employees are really happy with their plans and some employees are not happy with their plans. What, what are some things that employee can do to be a little proactive or what are the, what are the major issues that employers, employees see that they should draw attention to? And do employers listen to employees about their plans? Uh, absolutely, they do. Um, you know, they want to keep their uh, employees happy as possible. And the purpose of putting the plan together is obviously so they can stop working at some point. So they have to make sure that they're measuring these plans uh, for success that their employees are actually reaching a goal. Does does no good to say let's debate uh, Roth or pre-tax or asset allocation if you have employees putting in ten dollars a paycheck or putting nothing into the plan at all. So Hence to Pat's point, you should be just get them put in <laughs> savings first, <laughs> savings first, and then move. So from you're there. ganging up with Pat yeah. against me. Just, just came on here, okay? That's so, what, so tell me what that looks like. So you come in. Well, we have our own plan here. Um, how do you educate? I think we have one, 145, 150 employees, something like that. Correct. I've never gone through the process, nor have I actually been to one of the uh, meetings where you actually explain how the 401k works in my own company, mostly because I have a fairly good understanding of how it works. Tell us what the process looks like with a new employee, and then how do you educate existing employees on how to put the monies in and what they should allocate that way. So I think the strategy really has to be twofold. You have to take it from a plan design standpoint, first and foremost. Um, for many, many years in the industry, it was, here's a booklet, come sit in an hour-long meeting, here's a webinar. They're starting to make plans more designed to make it efficient for employees to participate, using the automatic enrollment feature, first and foremost. So once they become eligible, they're automatically put into the plan at a certain deferral rate, 3%, 6%. And unless they opt in, they're automatically going to be put into that plan. Then you strategize with that. With oh, an, you mean opt out? 
Correct. They have to opt out of it okay. or else they're automatically put into the plan. Tie that in with an auto increase feature. So if you're putting them in at uh, 3% is the most common that, that's out there. I would suggest 6% is probably a better number because the opt-out rates are exactly the same between 3 and 6%. Right? Um, it's about an 80% participation rate when you go to an opt-out formula. Uh, and it stays at 80% with 6% versus 3%. So why wouldn't you put an employee at 6 oh. and get them to save more? And do many plans have a waiting period before you're eligible? Or is it a lot of, I mean, I'm just thinking, so an employee, you hire an, a company hires an employee. Their take-home pays three grand a month. That's whatever the number is. <laughs> you got to make it handsome. You got to make all work sound more attractive to work <laughs> than that. I'm not talking about our company. I'm, uh, any company. You're okay. talking about an auto enrollment. So Correct. I'm just thinking if it's a six-month wait, someone's used to getting three thousand dollars a month, and one day they get a paycheck and they get a, it's a pay cut. I would think that would be a time when they'd say, "Hey, I want to quit this." It, so some of it really depends on the employer themselves. You know, what's the matching formula? If it's a very rich matching formula uh, or they have high turnover in the organization, they might say, you know what, we want to make them wait just a little bit longer before they can become eligible for the plan. And the longest they can wait is a year. So they can make it immediately, three months, six months, or make them wait up to a year before they're eligible for the plan. And what? Are, so what are you finding out there? What are the major issues that the shortcomings in 401k plans that you know plans could do better because there are some great plans out there? And I know a lot of our listeners, a lot of you out there, you've got some of you have great 401ks and some of you have problem 401ks because you call us and say, my 401k stinks. So what are the biggest issues and how can someone get their employer to do something about it? The massive issue right now, and we're still seeing it from a legislative or not legislative, plan, but from a legal standpoint, we're seeing a boatload of uh, lawsuits with regards to fees. Uh, employees have no idea what they're paying. They, you know, it's just deducted out of their accounts, and they have no idea as to what I might be charged. And these are some big companies. Uh, I know Ameriprise at one point in time were they not sued by their own employees? Their own Almost employees. Everybody. Yeah, right. their own employees sued Ameriprise, which yes. is a retirement plan provider <laughs> in addition to being an investment advisor. Walmart, Caterpillar, MIT, Yale—they've all been sued for excessive fees. And what and so so how does that work? I mean, why? First of all, why were the plans built with with investments that were excessively expensive? Sometimes it's a conflict of interest issue. Uh, that's what happened with the uh, Caterpillar case. Uh, was that they had uh, target date funds by Vanguard, which were very low-cost investments, and they moved them to a different fund provider that was charging more money, but they could use that excess revenue as an offset to different fees for their payroll systems and things like that. So there was a complete conflict of interest between the plan sponsor and the vendor. And a plan sponsor, they have a fiduciary responsibility to their employees. What they, is a plan sponsor? The employer. The person at the company that's in charge of the plan. That's yeah. exactly it. And They're they call sponsoring it a plan, the plan. They can't call it a plan sponsor because it sometimes it's the union that is a plan sponsor, correct? Correct. Or, who's, who's the one that is sponsoring the plan? Is yeah, it the it, union? Is it uh, ABC Inc.? Is it Allworth? Uh, who, is the, who is the one that's sponsoring the plan? Got it. So they've got that liability to make sure they're doing what's in the best interest of the employees so we, and their beneficiaries. We've seen some lawsuits in some of the major employers. Have there been lawsuits in some smaller employers as well? At this point, it still hasn't come down market. The smallest one that we've seen has been a $19 million 401k plan that the lawsuit uh, basically was dropped uh, after a few months. Yeah, because they're not enough money for the attorneys. That's exactly what yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah. Yet. Yeah, they will at some time get really good at, pro at yeah. pushing these <laughs> things process, through. And yeah. then, you know, for a business owner, that really should be a concern. Uh, you know, that's the low-hanging fruit out there. That, you know, you might have somebody that's going to come out and say, hey, we see what your fees are. We've got a, a group of employees together. We're going to sue you. I'm confused, though. Do they use part of that for to offset the administration fees, or do companies normally eat the administration fees, or does the employees pay the administration fees? It's, it goes across the spectrum. Um, so some organizations say, we're picking up every single fee uh, that we can, uh, and the employees will pay absolutely nothing. You have organizations that are going to come out and say, no, no, employees want this benefit, so you're paying for everything. It could be a sharing of the cost. Um, so part of it is picked up by the employer, and part of it's in, uh, picked up by the employee. And how often do you see plans change because the employees say, hey, this needs to change? And that's usually the, the, the start of the, the impetus for the move. Uh, most business owners are running their business and saying, you know, we need to keep payroll, lights on, drive new business. They don't want to deal with the four. That's exactly what it is. Right? You got enough. Yeah, there's enough. Yeah, they're spending enough yeah. on their plates. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's usually in the. And so the number one thing right now is fees. 
What's a, a couple other hot buttons? The other one that's a really hot button right now, it's not being discussed a whole lot, are the target date funds. Uh, we're seeing 68% of millennials are 100% invested in the target date series, and they have no clue how they're put together. Uh, they all have the same names. You might see ABC Fund 2020. You might see XYZ Fund 2020. But they're all constructed completely different from one another. So I compared two different target date funds that were 2020 funds. And what 2020 means that you plan on retiring in the year 2020. That's exactly. You should Supposedly. Be hitting, yeah, allegedly, you're hitting, well, you're hitting the age of 65 in that 2020 year. Okay. So the one of them had a 53% allocation in equity so as a 2020 fund. The other one was 29% equity. Wow, what a big difference. Severe difference. The other things to take a look at is, is it a single fund family target date fund that you're working on? Which is, is where they just package up all their garbage and resell it to you as a package. The, yep. They don't consider it garbage. Based upon the <laughs> <laughs> well, again, from a positive standpoint, you are getting employees well diversified. Um, so, you know, a lot of times yeah. before the tar- before these target dates, it's funds, better than nothing. It, that's exactly the case. But you need to know what's what's the glide path on this fund. Are you starting off at 90, 100 percent equity or 80 percent? And then at what point does it start to drop down and get to a conservative? So if I'm a conservative investor, 55 percent or 53 percent might be a huge equity exposure but, for me. But but in the end, it it's the it's better than how it was, but it's not. Optimal. That's because, correct. And part of it is, you know, you might index uh, a portion of your equity exposure and may uh, index a portion of your bond, but you may actively manage a portion of your bond. But typically, fund managers, the people that manage the assets, are typically better at one thing than another. We know that. Absolutely the case. Absolutely. What the are case. some other biggies? I had mentioned the Roth because I'm not more people. Do most plans offer Roths now that you see? We're starting to see more plans really start to offer that feature. Uh, and when I'm doing educations, uh, I'm going to lean more towards you on this one, Scott. Uh, I tend to get the you know the younger, lower wage earners to say you should be doing Roth in your 401k plan. Yeah. Uh, for some of the higher net worth earners, the other thing that's a benefit for the Roth 401k is there's no adjusted gross income. So in the Roth IRA, you could phase out if you make too much money, not be able to contribute to it. But in a Roth 401k side, you could make two, three, four hundred thousand a year and still contribute up to twenty five thousand dollars worth of Roth. Perfect. Tell me what to do. Now, the other key thing to take a look about when we talk about Roth, because, again, a little different than IRAs, any contributions that your employer makes can only be pre-taxed. Which makes sense. Right, exactly. But you're always. Yeah, they want the tax deduction. <laughs> yeah. They definitely want the write off. Now, again, the big thing for that is going to be making sure that the employees understand that part of their money is going to be tax free and the other part's going to be taxable. All right. Well, Jairo, thank you very much for taking some time to join us today. It's been Jairo Gomez, our Director of Retirement Plan Services at Allworth Financial. So, And thanks thank for you. being part of the Allworth team. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Yeah. I greatly appreciate it. So, also, as you know, part of this program is taking some calls. So, would like to join us, one 99 worth is the number, 833-99 worth And we're going to go to Joe. Joe, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Yeah, morning, guys. Love the show. Thank you. Hey, uh, quick question. Uh, your opinion on, it's called the rich man's Roth or the super Roth. My uh, wife and I maxed out our 401k, and uh-huh. we have some money that we'd like to invest, and we're just looking for looking at a couple of the options and that's i suppose one of them all right so this I is think new this is to a me life, i've never heard this but this i bet is, it's a life insurance policy this is new uh, to that me was my, that, that was my first worry that it, <laughs> uh, in my research that it's basically built on cash value life insurance and it's not it is or it I isn't know. i've never heard of the oh, rich I... man's roth before or the super roth i've never heard of it yeah have you heard of well, it scott no, I've never heard this term. It's a marketing spin someone put on it. Pretty good. Sell a yeah, product. It's pretty good. I can yeah, give them that. If you Google it, yeah, if you Google it, okay, Super we're gonna Roth, Google. Rich Man's Roth. Rich Man's Roth. It comes up. What is it's it? Based on, it's based on, at least my research says it's based on uh, cash value life insurance. Ah, stay away from it. And here's yeah. why, here's why right. I guess that. Because with a uh, cash value life insurance, the, any growth in your investment portion is tax deferred. And when you want to pull money out, you can pull out your cost basis first. So let's say you put 10 grand in, you can pull your 10 grand out before any, any taxes. And then any growth from there, you can take out via a loan. You borrow against your own policy. Mm. But there's another. Yeah, I, but there's not, so, and then, then you've got all the high insurance costs. And assuming you need life, let's say, say you don't need a life insurance, pay for life insurance. I would say let's put that alongside with mm, what about just a total stock market index fund, a low cost 
no load total stock market index fund. And if you need life insurance, first, let's forget grows relatively tax deferred, spends off a little bit in dividends each year, but even though dividends it spends off is, is taxes qualified dividends, so it's a low tax rate dividend. Gross tax yeah. deferred. Over the long term, you go over a long period of time, you take a 20-year period. There's never been a 20-year period where stocks have not outperformed bonds, which is what insurance companies primarily invest in. So you've got this tremendous growth there. And then when you want the money, if you don't want to pay taxes, if you do want to sell it, you've got capital gains tax, which is much more favorable than ordinary income like life insurance would have. And if you don't want to pay any taxes, you can borrow against that, just like you can borrow against a life insurance policy. And you had a full step yeah, up in basis at that. That was actually my that was my initial reaction. That's we, the we rich man's have, Roth. We already, have ter- we already have term insurance, and we make too much money for a Roth, so I was looking for something else. But a market, you know, a total market fund was kind of my first thought but, anyway. Joe, are you making non-deductible IRA contributions and then converting them to a Roth? No. You do you have, have, do you have money out? Do you have money in IRAs now? No, it's all in four four one case. Well, this well, is we we're go. gonna give you the the working man's Roth. We don't need any of that <laughs> rich man's Roth. <laughs> you can contribute to a non deductible IRA. You and your spouse both work? Yes. Okay, you can contribute to a, a non deductible IRA. Once it's in there, you can the next day convert that to a Roth IRA. I was worried that we make, you know, matter. we're in probably one of the, if not the highest tax Doesn't make bracket. any difference. So making that conversion today is expensive. No, no, no. No, because no, no, no. Because remember, you, you converted to an after-tax IRA. You're not getting a tax deduction. You can't you get a tax deduction, and then you converted it the next day, so you didn't have any gain in it. Mm. You take cash that you've got stashed away, throw it into a Roth, I'm sorry, throw it into a non-deductible IRA, both you and your spouse do this. Now it's in a non-deductible IRA. The next day, you convert that to a Roth. Because you took money that's already been taxed, there's no tax consequences for on the transaction at all. Now, for the rest of the listeners out there, you're thinking, this is brilliant. Backdoor Roth IRA. It's a, that, I think that's what some people call that. This is brilliant for the rest of the listeners. The problem with it is if Joe had answered that he already had an IRA, that when you convert— when you put money into a non-deductible IRA next to a deductible IRA, when you convert that to a Roth IRA, it does it on a pro rata basis, and you would have some uh, tax implications there. But due to the fact, yeah. Joe, so- that you don't have any IRAs, that all your money is in qualified plans, they're not qualified plan. A 401k, 403b, 457 is not the same thing as an IRA. One other quick question on limitations. So I'm talking about we want to invest like – $5,000 a month, which is more than I can put, even convert Thank into you. a Roth IRA. That is yeah. correct. That, but it doesn't okay. mean you shouldn't do that. You should do both. Do, do that and invest the rest of it yeah. in, in, a, ask, in a market fund. That's what you, I would do. Let me ask you that another, is what I do. Let me ask you another said. question. Do you have an HSA account? Yes, okay. maxed. All right. So one of the things you could do, we're going to dig into this stuff. So you can take that HSA account and you can invest it. Yes. And you can invest it. Done. <laughs> okay, and then and don't take any don't take any withdrawals from it. You're not taking any withdrawals from it. You're paying for your medical cost out of pocket, correct? Exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, look at Joe. All right, Joe. Look at you. You're doing hey, everything. I learned what I learned from you guys. Yeah. Well, 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 well I'm sure. <laughs> but Google, if you want, just Google backdoor backdoor Roth IRA, and you'll see that. Oh, this is. You're not going to. I mean, relative to something you got a high income, so it's not going to be. You know. I do it. I do it too. It's worth it. I do it. Every bit yeah. helps. So do it up to the do it up to the limit, and the rest of it in a market fund. Got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, That's what market, I would do. Total market. And if you sure. find at some point in time you're you don't you have more in stocks than you want, reduce your exposure in your four hundred one k accounts. Yeah, right. Because that Beautiful. way there's no yeah. tax implications in it, and stay away from the rich man's Roth or the. Yeah, how'd you Roth. hear that? How'd you hear that term? I, I read it in Forbes. Okay. Oh, I saw that when I googled. When I googled, I saw that 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 was a. Pay to play. You read it on the Forbes newspaper or the Forbes blog online? The, the Forbes online yeah, magazine. Okay. But it, it's not hard to get. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, <laughs> yeah. I've written for Forbes. Have you I ever eaten at Morton's? <laughs> That's have. all you need. You buy a little dinner at Morton's, you're in. 
<laughs> oh, come on. That's a... Is that not nice? No, I wouldn't say that's nice. You better oh, watch that. Nice. I, I, I just think... Sad when I eat it, Martin. Forbes, Forbes, um, uh, there's lots of contributors to Forbes. Let's just that is that. right. Lots of contributors. I didn't mean to disparage uh, Forbes' name, because it's actually a pretty good magazine. Yeah, but there are lots of... Uh, lots of anyway, appreciate the call. Yeah, good luck. Okay, thanks, guys. I was actually in Forbes... Um, I think I have written for Forbes. I was in Forbes um, in their headquarters... I don't know, three or four years ago in New oh, York. Yeah. I was, and I'm in the, have you been in there? It's like a, no. the lobby's like a house or something. And somehow I was told to wait in this side room and it was like this, looks like a big living room. And there was this, um, this family, I think they were from China. They're from, and see Steve Forbes walks in because he's got this meeting with this family from China. But somehow the receptionist or whatever told me to wait in that room. Okay. And so, so they, Steve the next thing, like, I'm in part of the conversation with everybody, and I'm thinking, <laughs> you're like, I get here. Yeah. You're like Forrest Gump. <laughs> I'm like, hey, you know. <laughs> Was that Steve Forbes a nice enough guy, I assume? Sure. He's a political guy, too, so of yeah. course he's, he's, hey. And so uh, when you said it looked like a house, is that? The living room looked like, it looked like a big living room. Oh. Yeah, it looked like my grandma's living room. Oh. Actually, not my grandma. I don't have a grandmother. But, so I'll share. And when she was alive, she had lived in a little apartment. So no, no, but you know what I mean? I'll share a quick story. I was uh, with my family up in uh, Tahoe and uh, we were in this community called Glenbrook and there's this big, beautiful old inn and it says on the top, Glenbrook Inn. And I'm like, I got to go check that inn out. So, So I open the door, don't knock or anything, open the door, walk in and I'm looking around and there's like, socks laying on the floor and shoes <laughs> and there's dishes all over the someone's table. house? It was someone's house. It <laughs> used to be an inn. <laughs> well, they kept the sign up. They kept the sign up. In? What's it say? It used it says, to be an inn. Come in. <laughs> so, Welcome in. So I walk in. I'm, I'm like 15 feet in. Doesn't say out in. Come on in. I'm 15 feet in these people's home. I just walk in. <laughs> Unfortunately, no Oopsies. no one saw Oopsies. me. No one saw me turn around and walk out. My wife was like, how was it? And she thought it was an inn as well. I'm like, well, it's someone's house now. <laughs> it used to be an inn. Uh, no, uh, no meal there for you, I guess. All right. Well, uh, we are out of time as usual. This hour goes by quickly, but it's always a pleasure having uh, you with us. And... Again, go to our website, Allworth Financial. You're looking at me like <laughs> I'm just thinking. Are you going to ask people if they if they're listening to this on a podcast? Will you please uh, review? Uh, how us? many times are we going to ask people to give us a review? I got uh, I got the email from marketing this oh, morning that said right. remind them to uh, ask the reviews. Apparently, the reviews are big deal because it. Okay, review our podcast. Then. Apparently, please the big do deal. so and uh, make sure you listen to us this next weekend or listen to us via podcast. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. This has been Scott Hansen and Pat McLean's. Allworth Financials, Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.